sometime during the year 2017 and right at the end of 2017 you're hearing it from me again yes it's the return of the professional wrestling discussion podcast that's called let me tell you something i'm your co-host Lorcan mullen and with me yet again is the jesse to my festus the carl anderson to my doc gallows the chad too bad to my tex ferguson mr simon cross simon it's been a while but how are you doing mate I'm doing great. I'm doing good. Ready to get stuck into the year that was. Um, it's such. It's been. It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> to yeah, quite, it put it quite has. simply. Um, we both taken a. We took a hiatus from the show that's even longer than the usual gap between episodes was. Um, it just was like we were in different places. You were literally in a different place to where you're living now. Uh, we just had different uh, yep. things that we wanted to do. But um, I just. It was actually uh, going to Leicester to a show. I think that was in about. October, November time to do a bit of stand-up. Yeah. And you very kindly took the time to come along and see and give me support. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. It was the first time I think we've been face-to-face in the same room since maybe when we saw William Regal at the Glee Club. Um, I, I, th- I think we've met one or two times after that, but it is rare that the planets do align. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it was just lovely to see you and meet your girlfriend, and she mentioned how much you enjoyed doing the podcast, and it reminded me how much I enjoyed doing the podcast. And I just thought, also, given what I hope to be doing, as will be announced later in the podcast, it'll be great to get this back up and running, and hopefully do it with a bit more regularity than we did before. It's kind of a, a new year, a new, ye- new leaf, new resolutions, <laughs> and all that sort of nonsense, but... Hopefully this is a bit easier than sticking to your gym membership or continue or trying to eat healthier. Um, it seems more doable, to be honest, because this involves yeah. sitting on our asses like we've been doing already, you know? And we're not doing anything different to what we did no. before, really. You Are know? you eating healthier now than you were a year ago, Simon, or not? Uh, I'd say so, but, you know, then again... I, I fall into the trap of all those, like everyone does, and just, you know, yeah. binge every now and again. So Start it is what it is. And the like. I've, started <laughs> eating, I've started eating kale. I will say that. And, uh, oh, look at V with I, his kale. I have to say, I think kale is very nice, actually. It's quite a, a sweet-tasting vegetable. You wouldn't think one of the superfoods, as it were, would have anything to recommend it to you. But I, I genuinely don't like... There's no resentment when I'm eating kale, other than it's a bit of a nightmare to get it all off the plate and everything. It's a bit more, it's a bit one of the more messier vegetables to eat. Uh, I haven't tried any of these kale um, 
protein shakes or anything. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever gone on a juice cleanse, Simon? Uh, I've done fruit, like obviously your fruit smoothies and such, mm. but I've not, I'm not got quite to the stage of blending vegetables. It just leaves a mess. That's the thing that always puts me off it. Speaking of things that have left a mess, um, 2017. Yes, yes. It's left a giant mess. If, if 2016 was all about uh, just shock, that 2017 is like the the hangover afterwards where it all just becomes more, I don't know, uh, perce- perceivable? Is that a word or is it perceptible? Um, it just, it, it, it's a it's a framing device. I think it's like a transition. Yeah, there were no, there were no sh- well, there were shocks, I suppose, but, um, but it was kind of just emphasizing things that you already knew were bad rather than, you know, Brexit, Trump, the shock of it actually happening was so terrible in 2016, and now the horrible reality of what it means. It's got a harsh... <laughs> I don't know. It's not been great. Um, and of course, you know, 2016 was all about our heroes dying, and 2017 it's been about their if... reputations dying. Yeah. If but... 2016 was dropping a pizza face down on the floor, 2017's picking pepperoni out of your carpet. And having to do it like two weeks later because you couldn't be bothered and so it's really sad yeah. and it's really hard to get rid of the stains it will take yeah. a lot of effort over a long time to get rid of the stains <laughs> but has that been the same with the wrestling world simon which is what we're going to talk about because the last episode of the last run that we did you could kind of call that version 1.0 we ended it with 2016 in review and we're starting this one by looking at 2017 in review and uh, do you want to do it right now, or do you want to save it for later? I have down the four predictions that we both made, would that we both predicted would happen in 2017. Do you want to hear them now, or shall we save it for later? I reckon we should throw them out now and see All how right. accurate we were. Okay, so here were... I'll go one, one after the other for each of us. Okay. I predicted that Kenny Omega would win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and hold it for six months. Okay. You predicted that Braun Strowman would at some point in 2017 become the Universal Champion. <sighs> I predicted that one of the matches at WrestleMania would be John Cena versus The Undertaker. Ooh. You predicted that World of Sports would get a second series or, or a follow-up series after the pilot that was aired on New Year's Day, I believe. Yeah. I predicted that the WWE would sign Adam Cole. Hey! Hey! You predicted that Shinsuke Nakamura would make his debut on the main roster by the Raw after SummerSlam at the latest. I think I got that. I nailed that, didn't I? That's one of those safe bets, you could say. (laughs) Uh, I also... I stuck my neck out, and at the time I said this was like odds of 6-1, to but that I thought those were shorter odds than they ever had been before, that... If it was going to happen, this would be the year that John Cena turned heel, which did not happen. And well, not, not, really. not We'll get not, to that. But, yeah. And the final prediction that you... Can you remember what, what your last prediction was, Simon? I, I'll be honest. I've intentionally not <laughs> looked them up, just to, like for the shock value. Your final prediction was that WCPW, World Culture Pro Wrestling... Will continue to expand and perform <laughs> in front of a one thousand, a four-figure plus audience. Oh, okay. Um, 
Neither of us have right. ourselves in glory, really, it's fair to say. <laughs> I one. think the scorecard reads one-to-one. One. Considering mm. we had four shots each, that is a very terrible penalty shootout. Yeah, we that's like that great, that one at Man United when David Moyes was in charge. And I think they lost like 2-1 to Sunderland after about eight penalties each. Ugh. Or something like that. So, let's start as we mean to go on. And let's start with maybe, to me, what I think is actually... Maybe the most influential moment of the year happened within the first week of that year. And that was the aforementioned Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada match at Wrestle Kingdom 11. Which kind of broke the internet as far as the wrestling world is concerned. With famously Dave Meltzer giving it six stars and declaring it as possibly the greatest match of all time. Uh, they then subsequently went on to have two further matches that some would argue might have, at least one of them, might have even improved upon that. And that that was probably the, the greatest trilogy of matches since the Ric Flair-Ricky Steamboat matches of 1989. And that Kazuchika Okada has had a year to match that of Ric Flair's in 89 or maybe Steve Austin in 1998. Like, the, this was the year of Okada. And also, I suppose... You've just got to look at what's happening at Wrestle Kingdom 12 compared to Wrestle Kingdom 11. I think the tickets are selling two and a half times faster than they did this time last year. And it was already a big deal last year. I think that was what I've read somewhere. Um, So I don't think they're going to sell out the Egg Dome because it just doesn't attract that kind of an audience anymore to anything live, I don't think. But it's obvious that they'll be selling But it's moving in the right direction. Absolutely. I mean, back in the bad days of New Japan in the mid-2000s, they'd be getting maybe... They'd be barely getting over five figures to get into the Tokyo Dome, which can hold, like, 50,000, 60,000 people. Mm. It looks like this show will probably be able to attract 30,000, maybe more, this year. I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you said to me, Liam, you, Lorcan, you've got this amount of money, and you can either go to WrestleMania or to Wrestle Kingdom... I would be halfway tempted to go with Wrestle Kingdom over WrestleMania because because I, I think I'd be more intrigued to visit Japan than I would to visit America, even if yeah. maybe Japan in January is not as necessarily a touristy friendly climate than going to New Orleans in April or whatever yeah. else you're gonna do. I just find Japan more fascinating to as a culture to um, WrestleMania. Uh, to America, and also because um, I just don't know as much about it as I do America, and also I just, frankly, I don't think the show would insult my intelligence at any point, which WrestleMania will do at least once every show, <laughs> I think. Usually by who they choose to put in the main event, some would argue. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've been to a WrestleMania, would you be, I mean, I, I know you're maybe not necessarily as uh, Japanese not obsessed, but Japanese. I don't know. I don't know. You're maybe not as frequent a watcher of that as I am. I don't know. Maybe I'm misrepresenting mis- uh, you. But have you ever, at any point, have you had a New Japan World subscription? Uh, I've never had the subscription. I have watched the matches. Uh, both. I haven't watched the third actually. I've only watched one and two of Omega Okada. So I've watched the six star and the six and a quarter star match. Mm-hmm. You forget that number two did get that extra little boost, uh, according to Meltzer. Um, I think this year though. With uh, Omega, mainly with Omega, but also with the uh, continued momentum of the Bullet Club, New Japan is slow is slowly becoming. It's it's seeping into like the the uh, generic wrestlers 
uh, generic wrestling fans' um, viewpoint. It's it's gone from peripheral vision and it's coming more and more central well, as mean, like the year goes on. When um, Finn Balor and Nakamura uh, locked up at the Survivor Series, there was a smattering of, Jap- of New Japan chants, were they, or just Japan or, or something um, like that? It was it was a fair fair New Japan chant. Mm. It was a fair sized one. I think it's fair to say. I really do think it's fair to say that New Japan can now be considered, if not before, definitely now the number two promotion on a global <coughs> scale. The I would argue that they're a bigger deal than Ring of Honor or of um, Impact Wrestling, which is somehow <laughs> still around at the end of this year. Um, and uh, like they put on a couple of shows in America. I think they'll continue to expand there. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to put on some shows maybe in Australia. Maybe mm. try to crack into the China market like new, like the WWE has tried to as well. Um, well, maybe got... even go into Europe. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a New Japan show, like a New Japan show with a New Japan ring, like the like you had in uh, this year in America in the UK. Maybe by the end of 2019 or 2018. Yeah, I don't know about China purely because of um, cultural differences, but I certainly do think have Aus- some differences. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do think uh, Australia is definitely an option. They mm. have the back in March in um, I think it's LA again. They're in back in 2018, um, and I can see them moving further and further. I don't want to say like eastwards because that makes them sound like the, the invading Japanese, but um, I do think they will. Apply, I think they'll play somewhere that isn't um, LA in mm. 2018. That's not going to be one of my four predictions. Well, I, I just think that's well, a logical did, conclusion. They did do Chicago as well, didn't they? That was <clears> the, the Juice Robinson Kenny Omega match. I. I don't. Was that a full-blown New Japan card? I believe it was because the IWGP United States title was defended on that. Mm. I might be mis- misremembering it, but they have put on shows in Chicago with Juice Robinson in, on there. But yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. The the time that I was most directly watching the most amount of wrestling this year was during the July August period of the G One Climax. That was when I was most watching wrestling and not wanting to be spoiled I you know I watched the Tanahashi Naito the um evil Okada the Okada Omega and the Omega Naito final not knowing who the winner was and just being blown away by all the stuff they were doing and I I said it last year and I still to stand by it Naito is my personal favorite wrestler in the world right now for the whole package He's got so many elements of different wrestlers that I love, as well as his own. Uh, he's, he's so charismatic. The Tranquilo character is so one of a kind, and he's taken it. And Have you seen, there's this amazing, I don't know if you'd call it a video essay, but there are a couple of guys on YouTube that have done summaries of various aspects of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, one of them's called, the better one, I think, is the one called Showbuckle, and they did a 17-minute video or so explaining the entire history behind the Naito character, how he came to become the leader and the the member of uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón, and just how New Japan can tell a story over a much longer period of time with a lot fewer um, angles required for it to work, that there's only one or two confrontations in the ring over the microphone, 
and that's enough over several months to tell a full story, that there are references... I mean, you saw that with the Omega Okada trilogy, that there were references to the previous matches, to previous opponents that they both had. And... Do you think mm-hmm. that's part of its appeal Absolutely. to people that didn't like watch New Japan before? The, Absolutely. The... I think these sort of videos are very, very easy way to get someone... Like, if I... If I see my friends and I haven't really shown them that video but I would like to show them that the guy did a great two-part about the Tanahashi Okada rivalry and the entire history of it and the psychology behind what they were doing doing cross comparisons from previous matches and how they referenced in later matches and it really does show how I think New Japan like I said I don't feel like they insult your intelligence as a fan Mm. and that is why I prefer their product to the WWE's product overall because not because I think the WWE should be doing what they're doing in high high octane five star six star six and a quarter star matches. I don't think I don't think that's ever been the WWE's forte necessarily. But what the WWE should be providing me, which is fun characters, intriguing storylines, they aren't living up to that. Whereas New Japan, with simple, understandable storylines that can get through a language barrier, coupled with the best ma- in ring wrestling. That means that they're doing their job better than the WWE's doing their job. The way I'd turn it is this. It's sport... Well, if you if you use the term that wrestling is sports entertainment, New Japan is definitely the sports part. Uh, well, let me go again. New Japan is definitely the sports-orientated side of things, whereas WWE is definitely the more entertainment-orientated side of things. It's sort of yin and yang kind of thing in a way. It, it it sort of gives people like a viable alternative if they want to see like wacky zany storylines. WWE, if they want to see wrestling presented as like a legitimate sporting contest, New Japan. But I would argue that the New Japan do the entertainment side of sports entertainment even better than the WWE do that. Through things like Um, Toriyano's comedy matches that he had during the G1 Climax and his rivalry with Minoru Suzuki may not have made great matches, but they made entertaining storylines of the clown being able to always upset the super serious shoot fighter. Hiromu Takahashi's uh, love for his little stuffed cat at pet Daryl and Daryl being ripped apart by bad luck Farley and that leading to a very bitter <laughs> angle between the two of them they, they, they do the entertainment and aspect and, and the humor I mean there's a lot of humor behind Naito's character that's why I love the character so much that he plays and he toys with the audience and he toys with his opponents and he gets under their skin whilst looking so utterly cool whilst doing it even with that haircut and um, so I would argue, and I would also argue that the WWE, a lot of the guys in the ring, do the sports stuff really well. The WWE has put on a ton of great matches this year, mm. and the 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 in ring talent are more obsessed with store with um, putting on a great match because that's something that they have a little bit more control with than the storylines. You know, Roman Reigns just recently had a really good match on TV with Cesaro. The Bar have been having fantastic tag team matches with Ambrose and Rollins. Uh, Brock Lesnar had his best match in ages with AJ Styles. Definitely. Um, And AJ Styles has been doing great work as usual on SmackDown. Um, So there is plenty of great in-ring action in the WWE, but they... I think if we move on to the WWE now, they have been 
they have been, um, I don't want to say treading water, but there mm. seems to be a lot less significant events, I think, this year compared to last year. Because last year you had the seismic shift of the roster split being brought back, Shane McMahon being an on-screen talent again. Um, the the Raw lot and the SmackDown lot, the requirements of them to make new stars very quickly to fill those hours. Yeah. I don't think there have been as many of those success stories as there were last year. I don't know that there were that many Heath Slater and Rhinos. There were that many James Ellsworths. Mm. There were that many Alexa Blisses or Naomi's or, or, or any of those sort of success stories that they had last year compared to this year. The only big success story I think they've had as far as creating new talent was just the continuation of what they did last year with Braun Strowman. I mean, I know you predicted him to win the Universal title, and that hasn't happened. But I think he has had Im- two. He has had two title matches, though. But so. really, you, with a lot of these ones, you really need to pull the trigger at the first available opportunity, and they didn't do that. He was hampered ever so slightly. He was hampered by losing to Brock Lesnar. Uh, he was hampered by losing to Roman Reigns, but he's been able to push through those losses without any great dent to his mystique, particularly. It's actually made, in many ways, it's probably helped because it's made him beatable in the eyes of the public, whilst also being, you know, like the story of the the, the, the Survivor Series match he had after his loss to Brock Lesnar did help mm-hmm. to rebuild him because. To me, the story of that, a lot of people were saying, oh, Bobby Roo got squashed and, and, and Nakamura got squashed. I don't think that was the case. I think that the story of that match was whoever had Braun Strowman won the match, that Braun was the difference maker between the two brands. And yeah. he, he wasn't He's... laying by Triple H afterwards. They very clearly, he didn't get one up by Triple H. He was, you know, he no. he saw through Triple H's stuff. There's that great gif of him trying to work out WWE booking with that confused reaction. Yeah. So He's he, sort of been humanized. Well, I think what they... Not, 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 not humanized to uh, the nth degree where he's been killed off. Just, just a sprinkling, like a seasoning... Of like a humanized nature, which makes him even more relatable, which I think is going to help him with his um, momentum going forward. I do think that train is still moving forward and will get to its destination of Braun Strowman being the universal champion. Well, I think a more important destination, and I think they have reached that if they go for it this year, or as long as they don't screw it up if they have to do it next year or the year after. I think in Braun Strowman they have created a legitimate WrestleMania main eventer. That Braun Strowman can be put in the main event of WrestleMania and he wouldn't look out of place. Yes. They haven't done that really. I mean, they they haven't done that really since Roman Reigns. You could argue Seth Rollins. I don't know that Dean Ambrose could yet. I think maybe if the next year gives us what we want, I think a lot of us, which would be a Dean Ambrose heel run, maybe that Dean Ambrose can become a WrestleMania main eventer. But I honestly don't think, since Daniel Bryan and yeah. Roman Reigns, they've created a character that can that can believably main event WrestleMania. I think they've with... they failed with Bray Wyatt. They've failed with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose for the well, time being. Well, with Seth, to interject there, you do have to put a little bit of an asterisk against it due to the long-term injuries he has faced. Arguably, a fully fit Seth Rollins would possibly be further along on the path to becoming a genuine WrestleMania main eventer by now. Well, let's but get... we'll never know. This, this, that's armchair booking. Uh, yeah. That's like, you know, fantasy booking. But... Well, let's get to this then, because 
look at where Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are now because they've reunited the Shield. But to me, it feels like this is plan number 12 or 13 or however many we're on to now. Plan K, plan L, plan M to make Roman Reigns their new John Cena. And it is literally, that is the purpose of the Shield, it seems to me, is to get the fans to cheer Roman Reigns again. Not to help Seth Rollins, not to help Dean Ambrose, to help Roman Reigns. That's how I see. And it seems like they have Seth Rollins lose to Braun Strowman, and they have Dean Ambrose lose to Braun Strowman, so that when Brock, Le- so that when Roman Reigns can beat Braun Strowman, he looks even better in doing that. Of course, Roman Reigns was always their main project when they started the Shield, but the the great thing about the Shield was it created three legitimate main eventers. And they, and they are pay-per-view main eventers, maybe not necessarily WrestleMania main eventers, except for Roman Reigns. But they yeah. did do that. Like I said, I think when I very early on into what they were doing, I said if they play their cards right, in Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose, they have this generation's Hogan, Savage, and Piper. And I mm. still... St- well, I don't stand by that anymore because I think that they're, they're, they, they can't go any higher. They can't... They can't crack the mainstream now any more than they do already, but that's a different matter entirely. I don't think the promotion's going to be built around those three anymore, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, those three are the perennial main eventers in the way that Hashimoto, Muto, and Chono were in New Japan in the 90s. Yeah, or the NWO for ad nauseum. (laughs) Yeah, this version of The Shield has been brought down to other people's levels almost i mean they still they still conquer oh, well, oh, the, they still well. conquer the new day they were obviously going to be booked to beat miz braun Strowman, the bar and who was the fifth one kane yeah in that match um until roman reigns got the mumps or whatever it was um and that was also another problem the stop start nature but just like i remember watching it just the other day when samoa joe's calling out brock les uh, calling out roman reigns mm. and it's like Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins are watching it and they're going to get Roman... Like, they're Roman's errand boys. That was how I perceived yeah, it, almost. I, no, I do get where you're coming from. The, in, the inequality is more pronounced. But um, I do think you have to take this all with a pinch of salt when, if you consider what many people are considering to be the planned main events for um, WrestleMania 34 of being the rematch of Reigns versus Lesnar with Reigns going over clean. It, it, it's it's sort of to be expected. It's it's not surprising. You, you sort of discount it to an extent. I don't know if that's just me being that cynical that that's the path they're choosing. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's sort of transparent in a way. And as a result, I don't think it has such a negative effect. Um, if they were doing it and there was no like sort of uh, clear, clearly defined plan, whether it be you know rumor or obvious through booking, I think that would have more of a pronounced effect, like the type you're describing on uh, Rollins and Ambrose. I think they're sort of there is sort of a little a bit of a holding pattern, really. Like I don't, I think all three of them are one brand. As good as as fun as the Shield is as a unit, I don't. I think all three of them are one brand. Does have a detrimental effect effect on Rollins and Ambrose and also um, when Ambrose brand. was on Smackdown well to an extent I mean you could argue Smackdown uh, is sort of trying to cult- cultivate its own stars and has had mixed success with that to say the least well it had um, that sorry, do you... Go on, sorry. <clears throat> but um, I do think 
I do think with Ambrose, for example, when he was on SmackDown, uh, his character shone shone through a lot more than when it was like in also ran feuds with the Miz for the IC title on Raw, or um, as part of the Shield, where. He, he he comes out his character it's sort of weird his character comes out a little bit more in the shield but only sort of to emphasize he's sort of the hype man for roman roman's always the last person to speak when all three of them speak and it yeah. you know it is what it is that there's there's a plan vince is going to execute that plan after that plan's been executed we won't have the shield for a while and they'll move on to their own thing it, you know it, it, it just is what it is a waste of a reunion to me Yes, uh, it's very much something that you. It was pull pull the trigger onto paper over the cracks. Um, sort of like it's, it sums up the theme of the year. The year sort of really seemed like it's been thrown together. Yeah, it's, it's not really the coherent can. in any way. It's kicking the can down the streets. Yeah, I mean AJ Styles on paper. When you heard he was going to wrestle Shame at Man at WrestleMania, like you know, a lot of people would have had a better plan in their head. It worked out fine, but, you know, it's just an example of the ways that they've sort of just been jumping from one thing to the other without, like, a single cohesive thread. Well, I think something that's very telling was that Survivor Series match. When you look at the talent in that that they wanted to have as their big, major talent outside of the main event of AJ Styles against Roman Reigns... Uh, AJ Styles against... Brock Lesnar. I keep mixing Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns up. I guess I'm already thinking of that WrestleMania main event. Um, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And, and the New Day versus The Shield, which was probably the best thing to come from The Shield's reunion so far. Outside yep. of the Ambrose and Rollins matches with The Bar, but they were having those great matches before Roman Reigns came along and they all decided to wear Roman Reigns' clothes again. Um, <laughs> was that, that um, Shield-New Day match. But look at that 10-man tag team match. Uh, I think a lot of people made a point about the age. I think like Braun Strowman was the youngest guy on the, in the match, and he was 34 or something yeah. crazy like that. But it was it was Triple H and Kurt Angle from the 2000s and Shane McMahon as well of that era. Cena and Randy Orton. Yep. Uh, naughty stars. Like big naughty stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the class of 2002 guys. And yeah. the the rest of it was Braun Strowman, which is the big guy that they're pushing. And then it's Finn Balor made his name through New Japan. Bobby Roode, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura made his name through New Japan. And Bobby Roode and Samoa Joe, who made their name through Impact and TNA. And yeah. how crazy Samoa Joe he... also Ring of Honor, to give him a fair yeah, crack. Okay. To, to be fair to Ring of Honor as well. But to, to see that, it's quite a stark sign that WWE hasn't done enough to make their own stars yet that that's a i don't know i don't know it's weird i mean in a way it's a great sign that the wwe is finally willing to admit that great talent comes from outside of their developmental system but is it also you say a that condemnation of that developmental system you say that point but all of the um, imported stars, let's call them imported stars, um, all of the youngsters that you've mentioned there, with the exception of Braun Strowman, all spent a large amount of time in developmental they spent that They spent it in NXT. They didn't spend it taking... They didn't They didn't have to do... Uh, none of those guys had to do the trials to, to get into the promotion that even the guys likes of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens did. Samoa Joe... 
Vim Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, and uh, Bobby Roode were courted by the WWE, Triple H in particular, to come in and were given that special treatment. They were put on NXT really as a means True. of selling NXT to the, the, the general public. Like I said, NXT has been, until they've very recently decided to go on the USA Network, which is a, a very big move, I think, on their part. I always equated mm. the NXT show more to uh, Orange is the New Black or Game of Thrones, what they are to Netflix and HBO, that it's this high-quality product that you pay extra money for because you'll get that well-told storylines, great in-ring matches, that's, less Vince McMahon that's all... shenanigans, as it were. Yeah, that's all well and good, but on the flip side of the coin... Shinsuke Nakamura and Fimbalor, Fimbalor especially with the um, growth of the Bullet Club in New Japan, Samoa Joe with his storied career in Ring of Honor and his like five-star matches, um, both in Ring of Honor and um, against AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels in TNA, Bobby Roode with his like um, great heel charisma, and even when he was playing um, the as a babyface uh, during his title run, his uh, chase for the title in TNA, he. You know, he he was the total package in terms of like a character. They they were all great stars and all great wrestlers. Um, none of them were like trusted to go straight onto the main roster. Um, whereas AJ Styles was, Braun Strowman was. Um, I don't really count his time really, as a. I really don't think it's a game of uh, a, 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 a thing about. I don't think it's about trust that they didn't trust them to work on the main roster. I think it's that they trusted them to get eyeballs onto NXT and maybe to help the other developmental talent get better through being in the ring with them. Maybe they thought that what would help Baron Corbin is going into the ring with Samoa Joe. What they thought would help with... um... I think the fact that I'm struggling to think of NXT original talent almost says it all (laughs) in a way. Because um, um, this is sort let's, of Fimbalor and Atami with the Ascension, uh, for example. Yeah, the Ascension, Fim- things like that. Exactly, exactly. Little things like that. Um, that's so, all well. That's all well and good. But does that not beg the question? Isn't that leaving money on the table in a sense, like by not having them, like you know, Shinsuke no, Nakamura saying, for a longer period of time no, on the main? Roster. They were making money off of Nakamura by him being on on NXT and them getting more WWE Network subscriptions. Not as much as him NXT. being on the main roster. Yeah, but no. the main, but the general public don't know about him on the main roster, well, so they need to build him up on NXT for that audience as well. I agree with you there, but my point is that it's not that they're trying to. My point is that they didn't sign those guys thinking we're going to build you from the ground up and get rid of every bad habit that you had from the Indies, from New Japan, from TNA, yeah. which was the attitude that they used to have. Yeah, the attitude that they had on Daniel Bryan when he was doing the first version of NXT back in the day. There's obviously and more. Of a, there is obviously more of a respect for where these guys have come from, as exemplified by the fact that Nakamura's put on SmackDown and he's put into pay-per-view main events for the WWE Championship. He is put in Team SmackDown for the Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series. And he was only—he'd only been on that show for six months at that point. Um, that the, they would put Nakamura in the ring with John Cena and have him beat John Cena clean as a whistle. That yeah. they'd have him beat Randy Orton. That's the kind of respect that they never afforded CM Punk or Daniel Bryan or you know 
if if he'd have signed if he'd have been made a big deal Kenzo Suzuki back in the day. Yeah. So there's obviously a changing attitude towards what the indie scene is able to produce for them and what the indie scene workers because I think the WWE has been more indie-fied than the indie scene has been WWEized. I agree. The, I agree the, with the, the point. You... On the apron spots, all the pop-ups, all the kicking out of finishers, all of that stuff. Weirdly, the WWE is more influenced by the indie scene than I ever thought they would be at this point. Yeah, like a lot I of agree the with the... I... Seth Rollins is that he's all about moves and doing it in that indie style and getting as many moves in as possible. I agree with the points you're making. However, I I think you're you're look I think you're looking at it from like a a glass half full wrestling orientated like um motivation where i just see like the business side of things and i do think that they they could have pulled the trigger and put some of those guys onto the main roster straight away just purely because and i do think that would have given them greater merch returns which may have offset the extra exposure that nxt had um it is interesting to see though that um, Braun Strowman, as you mentioned, there's still I still think there is a bias towards genuine homegrown talent as opposed to imported talent. And I don't think that'll ever really go away. But I don't think it's to the point that they're insulting other people for not being th- coming in through the WWE fight. No, no, no. Anymore. As 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 I as I mentioned there, no, I do agree with you on that point. But the reason that they're pushing Braun Strowman more than anything is not even that he's a WWE guy, it's the fact that he's six foot eight and built like he is. You know, that's just what Vince Man likes. And to be honest, that's what the general public are reacting to. The general yeah. public love Braun Strowman. And, I think it's and, more and, than and just the, the size as well. Community like, likes him. Well, yeah, he, he does have an aura about him as well that the likes of even the great Carly at his best were never able to match, really. I mean, I think he's been better presented in these past few years and more consistently presented than the big show ever was. I think he's actually been better booked than the Big Show ever was. Because they had the Big Show moving to Stone Cold Steve Austin within like five weeks of him debuting. I would agree with that. I would go far to say, go as as far to say that he is, um, over the course of 2017 as a whole, he is the best written character in WWE. It's a close one between him and uh, the Jericho Owens stuff, but I'm not really going to count that because that Mm. sort of expired uh, around like springtime, so okay. Um, so, no, all round, Braun Strowman, best written character this year, hands okay. down. So let's look at let's look at this. Let's go back to this making of stars and everything, and the big experiment that was made this year on. Smackdown. Oh, I see. I, 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 I knew you were going there. That's that seamless segue. If we want to talk <laughs> about weird choi- choosing of who you push, I never thought you could hinder Jinder this much. <laughs> I mean, he's... Yeah. It's... As we record this, this is very recently after Jinder Mahal tapped out to the calf crusher. And seemingly, the main event experiment of Jinder Mahal, that coupled with him losing the title and also losing to Triple H in those big India shows that it seemed like this whole thing was being built towards, suggests that the Jinder Mahal main event experiment has been ended what this means for Jinder Mahal going forward I don't know do you make him just a United States title level character kind of what happened to JBL after he JBL is the closest uh, comparison I can make to the Jinder Mahal character someone that was a perennial mid-carder 
very suddenly being pushed into the main event scene, given the WWE title, and holding it for a very long stretch of time, going over bigger, more established main event stars, um, and and then ultimately uh, losing the title and never really returning to that status again. I don't know if that will happen to Jinder Mahal, to be honest. I, I can see a world where he's as badly treated... And as seen as Pon as a, as a, can you believe this guy held the world title as Jack Swagger was? Um, I'm not saying he would deserve that treatment, but I can see both eventualities. What, and if you what, ask me to put money on it, I would say that there's, I would give 50-50 odds that Jinder Mahal's not even on the WWE's roster, that he's future endeavoured within three years. We are at the crossroads of Jinder. The The thing is, his next feud is vital, and I cannot emphasize that enough. His next feud and the success of it, um, from a commercial and a creative standpoint, will cause his character to live or die, basically, in terms of like whether or not he'd be able to carve out a niche upper mid-card. I'd say upper mid-card. Um, I don't think he'll be like the out-and-out main event he'll ever build. Like, yeah, like JBL. I don't think he'll be like an AJ Styles who you'd hype pay-per-view around or anything like that. Um, But there's nothing to stop him from carving out his own little niche. The trouble is, who do you match him with to do do that? You know what I mean? Because with Jinder, the belt was clearly put on him to make the man. And the belt has not done that. And that's not the belt's fault. Um, I feel the Jinder experiment was hindered. Sorry, we're just going to keep doing that. Just, just just, accept it. Um, I think it was hindered somewhat by the fact that it did go into, um, to, to quote one of our former episodes, evil foreigner territory and stayed there well, it was just, quite it was, quickly. It, it was so clearly a Vince McMahon idea. Every way that it was presented was so old-fashioned. And it was, you know, he was told, I think he said in, in a podcast, he was told to... Just very soon after, immediately after he won the belt base, uh, won the title shot unexpectedly, was told to say, you Americans don't understand me, and, and it's all... I mean, I've got a friend who is of Indian heritage, and he did keep bringing it up, and he was kind of like, how are they doing this now? How are they doing this in the year 2017? And it was just something... Like, first of all, he's Canadian. He's That's, that's yeah. where he's from. That's his Johnny Foreigner thing. The guy was born and grew up in Canada. He is not an Indian citizen. His accent and the thing give is, that away. In the in the age of the internet, surely like marketing him as like like you know fr- hailing from India, that's that was blown away in like seconds. Basically, well, it's, it's not like Rusev, where he had the air of legitimacy about him because he is a Bulgarian. Well, what was fascinating was also, I remember reading someone saying that he watched the um, the Punjabi prison match with Randy Orton through the um, Indian commentary, and that how they were telling the story was that he was this great hero, brave man, fighting for the Indian cause. And in many ways, that to me sounds so insulting to the Indian people that you can have this guy who's so explicitly a heel in his actions with his with the Singh brothers and everything. That to me seems like it's more of a reason that this flopped in India 
than anything to do with Jim okay. Carl's own performance. Like if to you ask you a to question, it, to India, ask... then I, I think you have to do the classic. You have to present him kind of like how the British Bulldog was presented in the early nineties when they were really trying to cement their status in the UK market to the point that they were able to sell out Wembley Stadium. You make him okay. a well preserved, well presented baby face in the mid card. I mean, of course, you've got to struggle with the modern-day fan, and they might reject him in the same way that they've rejected Jason Jordan. But if you really are looking for that Indian market, and then when you travel to India, you present him as the final match main event in the same way that the British Bulldog was always the final match main event throughout the tours in 1990 and 1992. You don't present him as a heel and hope that there's some sort of anti-American Bret Hart 1997 Hart Foundation storyline That was literally... that was because literally the question I was going to ask you. No Do you not think that was what no, because, because, was going for? No, because there was moral justification in everything that Bret Hart did, whereas Jinder Mahal just flat out said racist shit. You know, as the fans said, that's too far. It's just it was just a yeah. sign of Vince Man. Not... A A the reason that Vince Man really wanted to push Jinder Mahal. He can say it was the Indian market, but I think it's just frankly he has the best physique out of everyone in the promotion right now. I'm not going to suggest where he got the that physique from. Maybe he has just eaten a whole lot of broccoli. Um, but that is the main reason that Vince pushed him. Because he had mm. the physique of that Vince McMahon likes. I'm sorry, but that's the reason he pushed him. I, I honestly believe that's the case. And they can make the Indian numbers up all they like. That was why they pushed him. Yeah, it's... <sighs> The whole thing is very Vince. Like, like you yeah. are right. We, we're in agreement on that. Um, the the body, yeah, oh, oh. you're right. The even foreigner, we're, but we're we're well, we're right on that one. Um, do you think it's something that's going to be repeated anytime it'll soon? Be the experiment. As long as it'll be a repeat, as long as Vincent Mann's the main creative force behind the company. But it will need to be the right. I don't know. I don't know who it will be with going forward. I don't know. Honestly, I can see them with Jinder Mahal. I can honestly see them deciding to just make him getting completely bored with him and like making him the manager of the Singh brothers or something like that, or turning him into a semi-manager wrestler character. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Or they could just give up on him entirely mm-hmm. and he's jobbing to the same people that he was jobbing to in the same space, you know, short time that he was taking him. I mean, the joke I've seen, I think I, I can't remember if I made it first or if I read it online was just. I think that one of the reasons that Vince lost it was that gave up on Jinder was when he realised that Drew McIntyre was also in the promotion. He was like, wait, what? <laughs> Why have I been pushing this guy? <laughs> um, so Now, we, now we Drew talk- does have the physique that Vince likes. So. Exactly. Well, and he's got the height. So. Yes, very much so. Um, so let's, let's move on from Jinder. The, the Jinder era has passed and so has this talk of him. Um, but let's just talk again about the. Oh, just uh, what? Just just sorry. one more. Just one more thing. I think you're right with the racism. I think where it really got uncomfortable with Jinder, and I think where the racism went even further was when he was fighting Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, the facial expression stuff was very much. Um, it, it was as close as you could get to the stereotypical uh, cartoons of like Chinamen you used to see in like the papers in the 30s, as you could ever see, really. Well, I think it was Vince's um, idea of anti-racism and pointing out, ah, ah, the guy who claims that people are being racist is actually a racist himself, and he's a hypocrite. 
But honestly, I... it, just all, it all reflected... We're in a much more sensitive era now. Um, rightly or wrongly, yeah. I think rightly for the most part. And Vince Man doesn't know that. And Vince Man doesn't get that. And he never will. He's a 72-year-old I... man. Yeah, who I... thought that the New Day would get over as black preachers. I think the whole thing that's that that is just when it went from oh okay it it's the eighties it's an evil foreigner to oh oh hmm and I think as a result that did have an effect on on the gender experiment. So um, I wish him all I wish him all the best. Yeah, and so, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, he is a talent. He can do a decent promo. He's fine in the ring. He's got the height, he's got the look, he's got the physique. He can be a solid member of the mid-card in a position maybe similar to what Baron Corbin is right now. Maybe you could slot him in to feud with Bobby Roode next. It just sounds like you're trying to push Baron out. (laughs) The way he's not saying Baron Corbin. I'm guessing by the time we've recorded this that Baron Corbin is being set up to feud with AJ Styles for the WWE title at Royal Rumble or, or whatever because he beat AJ for the US title and AJ never got the win back. So it's pretty logical the Baron can mm, say, okay. I beat you, give me the title shot, because I'll take another title off you. It seems pretty logical to me. So where so you just do a substitution, Baron Corbin in the main event, and put Mahal back into the mid-card in his place. Um, but let's talk about the WWE uh, working with a market, a foreign market, and actually treating it fairly respectfully, and the positives that have come from it. And let's talk about that scene in general, the UK scene. Simon? Go again, sorry. Um, the Skype connection dropped a little bit. Go go for that last line again, please. So let's talk about the WWE and the UK scene and how it's still a very uh, mutually beneficial relationship. And the fact that in early January they put on at the Blackpool uh, Ballroom, M- Empire Ballroom or something is it called? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It's the Empire Ballroom. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly sure it is. We'll call it the Empire Ballroom. Yeah, I'm sure you on the internet will correct us if we're wrong. Something like that. It was a beautiful venue. I love. I always love it when they put a wrestling show on in a venue that actually has a bit of character, rather than just the big sheds that are most UK and US modern arenas. arenas. Yeah. So yeah. that whole two night tournament thing was a great, easy watch, easy and enjoyable thing. And it created a couple of legit stars and it led to a rematch that many have argued was the best show on UK on US soil this year. And it was between a Brummy and a Yam Yam. <laughs> oh, mean, you go for the Tyler Bate Pete Dunn at uh, NXT Chicago? NXT Chicago and also their final in the UK champion. Although I actually I actually enjoyed the Mark Andrews Pete Dunn semi-final a little bit more than the Tyler Bate-Pete Dunn match. But I think Pete Dunn has already established that whenever he does get called up to the main roster, he will be... Uh, uh, he's obviously a Triple H pet project. Uh, I saw on Twitter Finlay say that he already considers him a better talent than he ever was. Which is... I think that's silly, but it's still... Pete Dunn at such that, a young age... That, that is a very bold statement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that could happen. Um... He's got the tools in the toolbox. He's got the face. The only thing, he's not an amazing promo yet, but maybe that can be, you know, you you can have time with that. And he says, and it's not like he's a bad promo now. He just is very short and to the point. 
whether this and what he's, what he has going for him as well. I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know how big it is in the US. He's, he's definitely digging that Peaky Blinders vibe. I mean, yeah. the way he was dressed for the interviews in that UK tournament. Oh, that yeah. was that well, the, very much akin to it. The Peaky Blinders inspired look of uh, British strong style has always been awesome. You know, I've always loved that. I mean, as soon as I saw Peaky Blinders, I was like. If I was a wrestling promoter, especially in Birmingham, I would make a tag team dress exactly like the Peaky Blinders, have the Peaky Blinders haircut, come out to the Nick Cave song. Uh, it's just perfect. It's such a cool look. And it's a really popular look across the world. I'll tell you this. Quick diversion into Peaky Blinders. Mm. And I must admit, I've still only watched the first series. I will watch the rest. I'm not saying it's not good. I just, have, you know, there's too much to watch nowadays. Um that there are like I go on poker websites and you get people from all over the world and they all have the little icons little avatars like we have on our skypes and and what have you and several of them are Tommy Shelby and they're not from UK accounts they're from like Mexico accounts or Chilean accounts or Brazilian ah. accounts or Polish accounts so it's a look okay. that's you know the, the well I think people this is a pretty big hit on Netflix outside of the UK yeah so um, Which is, is something that will work in Pete Dunne's favour. If Vince yeah. ever like thinks that Netflix is a real thing, good God, God, God help us. Well, I think Vince will finally find out that Netflix is a real thing after the Disney has bought that as well. And you know, uh, we'll get to we'll get to that as a, the final point of this uh, conversation. Um, but the UK scene, I've always said that like the UK scene dealing with the WWE and Triple H is kind of like the story of the the. This the old man and the snake that a couple of wrestlers have used in their promos, uh, uh, or variants of that story. CM Punk, Terry Funk, I think, did as well. Jake the Snake Roberts, of course, did. Which is where the old man finds the hurt, the the dying snake, and he nurses that snake to health and and takes care of that snake. And then the snake bites him and kills him. And as he's dying, he says, "Why did you do that?" And he said, "You stupid old man, I'm a snake." The WWE <laughs> is the snake. When the time comes, I'm waiting for them to do something that will be harmful to progress, to ICW, to OTT, to Preston City Wrestling, to whoever else it is they have currently, or Rev Pro Wrestling, to any of those promotions it is that they currently have strong working ties with. Because they already harmed what culture last year, I think it was last year, by pulling several of their talents away and they couldn't perform on WCPW shows anymore like Joseph Connors and the like. Yeah. And if the WWE ever does create that UK brand, that UK tour, that UK show, which I think because of the collapse of any continuation of the World of Sports show has put that on their back burner. Um, I don't okay think World of Sport is being. dead. I, I think that I think that's still being discussed. It's still being debated. If, uh, you never know. So, Whatever momentum it well, might will... have from the New Year's Day screening has gone. No True. one will have remembered it. But on the flip side, I, I'm fairly sure that Simon Cowell is quite keen on the idea of trying to get wrestling on TV again. And if ITV love to throw money at anyone, it's that man. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say I said it this time last year. I'll say it this time this year. The three biggest shows on TV right now are about baking, dancing, and other people watching TV. Wrestling is no more absurd than that, and there is a version of British wrestling that becomes huge on TV in the UK. But the fact that the people in ITV there is look a new... to no, no, the wait, just they looked to Jeff Jarrett 
to work with <laughs> on this. Yeah. So the bright sparks aren't there to make this work. Yeah. There is a new uh, Freeview channel that's yes. like going to start in, I think, on New Year's Day, and they say they are going to like show British wrestling shows. With, I mean, it's with not the promotion big five-star wrestling that is basically perceived as a pariah by all of yeah. the other UK promotions. Uh, they but, all took but it it's to, something. to take. Yeah, but again, it's like that they might ruin all the good work that ICW and PCW and Progress, and Kamikaze, and all of these other good British promotions have done, yeah. could all be the undone you've got. by these people who've tried to skip all of the the steps between, which, to be honest, I thought what Culture had done in a way, that they were kind of standing yeah. on the shoulder of the giants of Progress and all them lot, and calling themselves yeah. tall. That They hadn't done that, the... that hard work that Progress have done to the point that they can now do Wembley yeah. Arena next year. The trouble you've got with all those British wrestling companies is that they've got their online subscription service, and that's great. More power to them. You know, it's it's a viable economic model. But they're, they're at their ceiling. Unless they get TV, they are at their ceiling. And, like, people just aren't going to be, like, exposed to it. You, people aren't going to, like, look for progress, like, you know, in a way, in that they'd scroll through it, like, the TV guide and see, like, progress pro wrestling on television and they go oh what's that you know they plug into it like television as a medium we could debate that for hours and hours and hours about its role in today like how it works today and it's powerful and its effects but i think british wrestling still needs tv and unless one of these companies get tv you know it's going to be like a very slow painful slog to get progress it's not impossible but to grow and go beyond you know the realms of what they want to do it, it's going to be a scrappy battle. Mm. That's just my opinion. But the, the, I think progress. Look, progress are going to do Wembley Arena, which was something I even floated theoretically this time last year. I genuinely did. You can listen back to the. Um, you can listen back to the 2016 in review episode. I do mention that the next logical step for them is Wembley Arena. Whether they could get that big or wanted to get that big was up for debate Mm. and obviously they did want to get that big and they are trying to get that big i am very curious to see if they try to bring in any american talent high profile american talent to try and make that work to see if they can i mean it would make sense to try and get kenny omega and or the young bucks maybe even push the boat out and try and get chris jericho involved if he's interested um of course, you have the the ten thousand seaters show that the Young Bucks and Cody are planning to do themselves. Yeah. Um, next year, which is again, it's just like the next logical step of the indie scene. I mean, ICW did a very respectable return to the uh, the SECC. No, I think it was the SECC, which is the next big one. I might be wrong. Oh, right, okay. Wherever right. it was, I, I saw photos, and they had it. You know, it was full on the floor, and there were plenty of people sitting on the tiered seats. So, and I think that's very close to what progress will probably get at Wembley arena. I wouldn't be surprised if they could get 4,000, 5,000, maybe 6,000 to that show. I would love to go to it. Maybe I will. Maybe we will ourselves, Simon. We'll have to look at it as a potential thing. Um, so there's nowhere really you can go after that other than just to make a Wembley arena show every year and have that be like their Tokyo dome. 
You know, they can't do Wembley Stadium. Yeah, I mean... You know, you could never do Wembley Stadium. You know, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks wouldn't have come close to Wembley Stadium. Um, Never... Well, this is the thing with wrestling wrestling promotion. Never say never, but you're right. It's it's not a short or a medium term or even a long goal. That would be a very, very, very long goal. No, if you were to do... I mean, you couldn't even do Wembley Stadium. You'd have to aim to do some sort of football ground of, like, 20,000 at that point... Uh, I don't know, and I can't think of it, like Loftus Road maybe in London, I'm not sure, but then you've got the worry of it being outdoors and, you know, how do you, how do you deal with British weather? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's such a gamble, um, yeah. British weather and outdoor events, such a gamble. Mm. So, yeah, that was the UK, uh, and of course, so the UK Championship is still going and it, and, it, and Pete Dunne's travelling around, sort of like the old NWA world heavyweight champion in the day going from territory to territory and defending against the best guys there i will be curious to see if they do i think they will i don't know whether i don't know that it will be pete dunn but if the uk championship is still going on in two years time i think at least once the title won't change hands on a wwe nxt show it will change hands in an icw show or um or um, a progress show or what have you I I think they'll do that, but in exchange they like get one of their stars, or or it's like a oh sorry we're taking this guy kind of thing. Here, yeah, have this. Be, yeah, it's it's sort of laying the honey for the trap, which would be oh, and just coincidentally we are going to tour this year, and if you look in your contract, that means that you can't touch any of these guys for the next three yeah. months or, or what have you. I you know I'm waiting for the sting in the tail with the WWE. Uh, but maybe it's different. Maybe Triple H is going to treat it differently. Maybe they are going to respect it. Like I said, they they perceive the indie scenes, especially with their relationships with Gabe Sapolsky and them lot, that it's good for them mm. that people are going to see wrestling shows outside of the WWE because well, it's allowing more talent, the opportunity for them to then take that talent in and make stars out of them. In a weird way, the XFL was great for the NFL. Because there were several people that because were in it the gave XFL people a platform. Then, yeah, there were several people that were at the XFL yeah. that ended up playing. I mean, there are several Super Bowl players that were in the XFL. On the point, on the so point of a, the UK, there could be a WrestleMania main eventer that took part in the UK Championship tournament. We don't know that yet. Maybe in due time. Maybe in due Maybe. time. On the point of the UK, you've just got to look at how they love the UK and how they respect it in terms of the knowledge base that it is. Look at the two of their main NXT coaches, um, Robbie Brookside, William Regal. Like you know, both just like incredible like wrestlers in terms of their skill set. Both UK based, and it's like um, you know, it's. It's always been respe- Britain has always been respected as a hotbed of like growing wrestling. Uh, Daniel Bryan's alluded to it in his book. Chris Jericho alludes it to it often that um, he learned a lot from his tours over in uh, Europe as a whole, and you know from the British wrestling style. It, um, Stone Cold, all the big, all the big names pay right, homage yeah, to British wrestling. Um, the increasing uh, respect that's held for guys like Johnny Saints. That Johnny Saint mm. is now seen as this great, you know, there's YouTube videos and and WWE interviews with someone like Johnny Saint who really wasn't known by many people at all. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I remember seeing the the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame this year that Johnny Saint was one of the ones that came really close to winning it. And frankly, he shouldn't have when you look at the likes of Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks. Big Daddy in particular, I don't think is yet to be in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame and 
And just as far as a name goes and a draw goes, he should be in there before Johnny Saints. Mm. Um, but it's because of the increased status that he has now through the WWE, bigging him up and his work, that allows them to do... The, the, that's meant that the UK style of wrestling is now becoming more respected. And you look at guys like Jack Gallagher and 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 so on. Um, so yeah, it, it's... The UK scene is still thriving. I did worry at the start of last year, uh, this conversation last year, that we were on the crest of the wave. We aren't yet on that. No. World of Sport didn't make any kind of dent, either in a positive or a negative light. All right, don't rub it in. I got that one wrong. No, look, I (laughs) I, I think we were both making a bigger deal of the World of Sport thing than than it really was ever going to turn out to be at this point. Um, I, I, just, I, I thought I thought that it was going to go somewhere, yeah. but it didn't go anywhere. Um, I was just being it... optimistic. I feel, yeah. um, but there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. Look, there was there was potential within that show. I, I I'll be honest. I didn't watch from start to finish. What got me was the filming technique. It's made me want to do an episode about filming because the way that that was filmed was just off enough that you noticed it. It's like how when you watch The Room, and you don't necessarily know the language of film or the setting up of scenes or whatever, but you know something's off enough that it doesn't yeah. make sense. And not just in the acting, but in just the way that it's edited and all these sort of things. That you're not even... You're not a film student that you can't put it into words. Yeah. You're aware of it subconsciously. Um, you could tell it wasn't being filmed by people who have a lot of experience in filming wrestling, or I didn't think that anyway. Um, but then again, they are in short supply in the UK, like generally. But to follow up on, so the UK Championship tournament in January exposed to a larger audience, especially with Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates, mm. and to a lesser extent the likes of Wolfgang and Trent Seven, a thriving. UK scene. Another tournament that took place on the WWE Network later in the year was also uh, indicative of a thriving scene for women and a lot of potential stars to be made in the May Young Classic. This was probably my favourite running series of the year on WWE TV, just like the Cruiserweight Classic was last year, because it was a very simple story told well over a number of episodes that gave me hope for what the scene for women wrestlers is going to look like three or four years down the line. Because mm. there was so much potential there in in the talented guys. Some some of the women that were coming up through the developmental scene, the, that tall Australian woman uh, with the blonde hair, she looks like she's going to be a big star. Um, who's the name yeah. of the one who's got the hair that whips people with her hair? She is. She has the oh. most. The match she had with Kyrie Sane was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, Shayna Baszler really stuck out. I think her and Ronda Rousey, when Rousey comes to the WWE, will be a will be a good partnership that they could do some fun tag team work together. I think she played her role perfectly as sort of the bully of the division in, of that tournament in the same way that Pete Dunne was in the UK tournament. Yeah. Um, you have Viper, I can't remember what she was called. Tony Storm is going to be a megastar whenever she decides to sign for the WWE. She's already got all the charisma in the world. Uh, there were eight, nine people in that, in that tournament of 16 that wouldn't have looked out of place on NXT 
if they signed them up immediately. Some of them were signed up immediately. And subsequent to that, you've now had uh, five new talent appearing on Raw and SmackDown after that. Yeah. The women's division on both... Because I I did argue at the time that two rosters of six, which was what the women's division has been for the last year and a half, is not really deep enough. But now that they're two rosters of nine at least, uh, maybe ten or eleven... It's showing a gradual increase of, 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 of good talent that can be on TV and that the that leads more that that leads to more and there's more of a disparity of the of the characters, you know, someone who looks like Ruby Riot yeah. would never have been allowed to be a WWE diva ten years ago. Barely someone who looks like Paige would barely no, be allowed yeah. to be it... and now that they are being allowed to... The, the women are allowed to be characters more now than they and were that's, just, just just tits in a bikini, which was and what that, they were. And them allowing them to be characters naturally helps them to be perceived as pr- proper wrestlers. Like, wrestling is characters. It, you're right, it's not just cook, cookie-cutter boob implants in a bikini, which, which is, is not to disregard... No, women's wrestling the in the past ten to fifteen they, years. That, that has been with what they were asked to do. Yeah, the treatment, the 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 the, um, the 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 telling of history with the divas revolution and everything is a great insult to the works of people like Trish Stratus, Lita, Molly Holly, uh, Victoria, um, uh, Beth Phoenix, Natalia, uh, Michelle McCool, all the work that they were doing and putting on good stuff, doing good character work, having good matches. Uh, it's just that the, the 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 divas brand was so toxic, and they finally got over that a couple of years ago. And what is interesting, though, is what has been prioritised through the NXT era of a lot of these women wrestlers compared to the main roster. Because who was NXT's women division built around? It was built around Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Bailey, and Sasha Banks. Now, I would yeah. argue that Alexa Bliss has been presented as a far bigger deal on the main roster than any of those women, even Sasha Banks and Charlotte. She's the one that has wins the matches. She's the one that holds the belt. She's the one that storylines are built around and is given more time to than Sa- even Sasha or Charlotte. Charlotte Flair is treated well, but the fact that she's on SmackDown now and Alexa Bliss is on Raw is very telling to me because who's on raw is a bigger deal than who's on smackdown it is the flagship show baby that's i think the alexa bliss um holding the main spot is for three reasons i think her character that she cultivated uh towards the tail end tail end of her nxt run um i think that's a that's the most sort of transportable character it, it can plug in the easiest now to... by transportable do you mean it's the character that vince mcmahon gets yes and yes and no um yes it's the character vince mcmahon gets the most but i don't just mean that i i think that um sasha banks is a legit boss that's all well and good but you, you know you can't just come into the main roster and say you're the legit boss she earned the legit boss uh monica and nxt through her hard work uh you know she you know she was seen as just you know just sasha banks at the start and like built her character in front of our very in front of nxt's very eyes uh bailey had that unique connection with the full sale crowd which sort of gets diluted on the grand stage which... Well, I always said, I, I said this back in the day, I dreaded Bailey's run on the main roster, and a lot of my fears has come true. 
for the very horrible, but I think mm. crucial fact that Vince oh, McMahon that... doesn't want to fuck her. Vince oh, Man... It just sounds horrible when you say it. <laughs> Put it this way. like, I'd like... Women, women in wrestling have always been presented through the male gaze. Yeah. Bailey is the first wrestler that is presented through not the male gaze, through a female gaze. She is not presented, she's not interviewed, she doesn't work in a means to attract male attention. She is there for kids, she is there for girls particularly. She is a PG, she's the John Cena star that they always wanted John Cena to be. That was what she was. And she also appealed yeah. to men in the sort of brony, ironic way. And also, of course, she is an attractive woman and there are plenty of pervs, pervy blokes online that are doing whatever they can to get screen more, grabs and whatever more, they can of her. I don't more doubt that for a second. But it's more, it's more than that to men. That man it was, looks at what makes a woman attractive. It was more than that to men. In NXT, her character... And uh, from a wrestling standpoint, was that oh, yeah. perennial underdog made good? Like Absolutely, you know, it... and that's relatable. You know, that is yeah. relatable. But there was also that brony, ironic guys wearing shirts saying "I'm a hugger" and the and the wacky inflatable flailing tube men. You know, it's the yeah. same thing that appeals to men in the same way that Adventure Time does, and 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 My Little Pony does now as well. That there was that level of irony to it, but the fact that there was a sincerity with coupling with the irony that makes it that perfect cocktail of the two as it were i guess it's my romantic sort of view my rose tinted view of bailey's time in nxt which i think is just one of the best like examples of a baby face in a promotion uh in recent times like pure and to be pure like you know brutally honest uh, that makes me forget translate yeah that purity wasn't presented well by vince mcmahon and they also pushed her too quickly she should have i said you want to make bailey get the reaction from the fans this way as they did uh last time you had to start from the ground up she had to lose she should have been losing to alicia foxes and them lot to begin with and then gradually she gets more confident and then she becomes a star. And then two, and then the WrestleMania after this one is the one that she's winning the world, the women's title. Not as it was the first WrestleMania she, she's on. She's the defending women's champion and she wins it. That was, that was so, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just Vincent Mann figuring, oh, then, well, she's over, so we'll do it like that. And then not get, he just, he would never, Vince the way- again. He doesn't get what how you present a foreigner in this modern day. He doesn't get how you present a Bailey. No, um, he it's the way as well. Like the ball was so quickly, like just not even passed, torn from her and passed to Alexa Bliss as well. I think because he gets Alexa Bliss because she's a bitch. And yeah, man gets the bitchy character. Yeah, and he uh, likes, that's, and that's, like that's, I said, that leads to my point. Likes, that's why it's likes... pluginable. Yeah, but Vincent Mann likes heels more than he does faces anyway. Because Vincent Mann is fundamentally a bad person. That's always been my theory. He gets heels more than he gets faces. I think I he really likes writing for heels. Yeah. yeah. He likes performing as a heel. He likes heels. He doesn't... And, and like I've said before, his two biggest babyface stars of all time were essentially heels. Hulk Hogan yeah. was half heel, half face. But Stone Cold Steve Austin oh, was God, a yeah. heel, cheered as a face. Yeah. And that's why the way... those are the times that works best for Vince McMahon. Yeah, if you don't think Hulk Hogan was like, like you know, half heel, look at the way he wrestles. Mm. Like, look at it. Yeah. 
But talking about um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, let's talk about his contemporary from the 90s who unexpectedly was in the main event scene back in late 2016 and early 2017. He was the man that we did an episode about very early in this show because we figured there would be nothing else to talk about him because his story had been told. But it wasn't, was it, Simon? Well, I don't want to say that we gave him the motivation um, well, because quite simply we didn't. It was the we paycheck. Didn't. That's just <laughs> Simple. Uh, that, that's not a swipe. Bill, but Bill we are himself talking about, admit, of course, Simon. Motivation. We're talking about God And his son. And his, Indeed. And his Indeed. shirtless and his shirtless son. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just so bizarre. The like ob- objectively, I've like I've been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of days. What with this episode coming up, and I hadn't thought about it since going through it at the time. And you just look back, and it just—it's such a bizarre, like weird, random thing to have happened, like. The fact that a Survivor Series last year was literally fantasy warfare come to life, based main, somewhat off of obviously Raw fighting SmackDown, but mainly off the fact that we were just having a bit of just armchair, like sort of, sort of what um, people love to do, sort of that the Ali Tyson comparisons with the Brazil of the 1970s, like managed to outflare their way past like Barcelona's uh, team of 2008 in football. Um, you know, would like who's the best quarterback of all time? That kind of thing, the best running back. You know, people just like to have those like weird, wacky, wacky conversation conversations. It was the plot of one, the Rocky film most recently, for God's sakes. Mm. But it was just such a bizarre thing. It's just like, well, okay, then we'll just wind back the clock like fourteen what, years. What was so fascinating was that they presented Goldberg this time in the way that they should have presented him back in two thousand and three. Yeah. Short matches. He doesn't talk that much on the mic, he probably talked more than they should have had him talk still. Yeah. But yeah. he's limited in his appearances. He has those short explosive matches and he's presented as a super go- like basically Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg was like the equivalent of Thanos versus Galactus in the in the comics universe. It was like these were two people above the mere mortal status. That Goldberg was the only one that was Brock Lesnar's equal as yeah. far as the explosive, super-powered, I don't know, Dragon Ball Z, Super Saiyan, I don't know. I, I know that people say Super Saiyan a lot. So I'm but he wasn't, he wasn't. He he was he was getting there like he was like he was making Brock look a little bit vulnerable. But coming up to Survivor Series, no one called that. Like I, I don't think anyone thought the Survivor then, Series outcome was, was going to go down the way it did. Twenty seventeen by him eliminating Brock Lesnar almost immediately from the Royal Rumble, and then yeah. him beating Kevin Owens through Chris Jericho's distraction of him, and uh, then we had um, the then then the WrestleMania match, which was also like it was a fantastic you couldn't re- it was exactly you almost it should have been and also yeah, you I almost I, couldn't call it a match it was no. just like an angle with multiple finishes in it yeah yeah and it was exactly what they should have done because goldberg couldn't do a 15 minute match he couldn't really do it back when he was at his peak at least not a great one unless you handheld him through the whole thing like ddp did at halloween havoc 98 now see i'm gonna put my hand on my heart here and be brutally honest, I, with my group of friends on the day of WrestleMania, actually did predict they would do a 15-minute match, no. purely because I think they wanted to sort of 
I yeah, I thought they wanted to sort of do like the um sort of brutal athleticism, but sort of show that Goldberg was a wrestler and that Brock could carry someone kind of thing. That that was my thinking in my head. Well, was I was wrong and looking back I'm glad I was wrong. Well, um, was interesting, but I, I generally thought they were gonna do a version of not a, not quite a version of the first match. I think they wanted them they wanted the uh, match to go some in my head though was like the matches should go similar lengths so they can sort of destroy any memory of the old last match. But they went another way and they it, it worked. It just simply worked. But and it looked like that was going to be the way of all Brock Lesnar matches going forward because he then had the match with Samoa Joe that was six, seven minutes long. Uh, I think the match he had with Braun Strowman wasn't that long. It, was, it wasn't It was until... The, the, the Samoa Joe about... match did have a lot of pre-match shenanigans. So but I it, was, it, was a, it was a sprint. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It was presented kind of like a UFC fight that can end at any point. And I'm fine with that. You know, I, I think more that should be done more in wrestling. I think too many times wrestling matches are always presented as 50-50 even Stevens. I think there should be more instances where just one guy, it's his day and it's not his opponent's day, like when Brock Lesnar just squashed John Cena for all intents and purposes. Then yeah. You should do that a few times, that just, like when the Bludgeon Brothers debut, have them just batter the crap out of, not Brizango, but out of, like, the New Day, and just say, it was their day. The New Day will have to try and figure out how to beat these guys. And yeah. That's not, and it doesn't necessarily make your opponents look bad if you present it well. John Cena wasn't hurt by getting yeah. squashed by Brock Lesnar, and similarly, even though people thought he would have been, it's pretty obvious that Brock Lesnar wasn't hurt by being squashed by Goldberg because they told the story of Brock Lesnar was too cocky, he got surprised, he Goldberg got in his head, but Brock Lesnar was able to exercise that demon at WrestleMania, and now we're back to the original Brock Lesnar, who is now facing. I mean, in theory. A lot of people have said you could make the case that maybe the way that Brock Lesnar should go is getting that done by Braun Strowman for Braun Strowman to have destroyed him in like five minutes and that's it. And and, and just never use Brock Lesnar again because we have Braun Strowman now. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> it's, it's the Mike Tyson uh, um, point over over and over again. Mike Tyson's buy rates when he was champion were on a steady decline as he was just absolutely like annihilating his opponents. Then he had that first loss, Buster Douglas, and it, it just changed everything. Like this monster is like beatable. He might lose. There, there, mm. There's there's two outcomes to this story. Well, yeah, I mean Conor McGregor has not been harmed by any of his losses that he's had so far. He's still a huge box office draw if he ever decides to go back to the UFC. Yeah, but his, his, his two most recent losses, uh, in UFC he was fighting a weight class, of, like a couple of weight classes above his prime fighting weight, and his other loss he was doing a sport he shouldn't really have been doing. Mm. So, you know, there are somewhat mitigating circumstances. But you know what I mean, he's, 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 even if he lost the next fight that he has in the UFC, at least in Ireland, he could always sell out Croke Park. He always has that in his back pocket. True, true. Um, so let's talk about. Um, is there anything you want? I've got. I've got a couple more things I want to bring up before we I go feel, to Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I feel in is Goldberg anything... tradition, we should keep the Goldberg segment quite short. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, we haven't been mostly WWE centric. Let's just briefly talk about. Will TNA be around this time next year, or Impact, or GFW, or whatever the fuck it is this <laughs> week? See. 
Now, we both always come across as sounding quite negative about... Um, I want it to be successful. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> but it's so hard to find belief in it. Mm. It really is. They they lost their most marketable star this year to WWE. They lost their brand name twice. Yeah, they've relocated. They've moved country. Half uh, of their roster is gone, and half of them, and half of that half are now in the WWE, yeah. bigger than they've ever been before. And it's it's tough. Like they they may rally, they may, um, but I think they've got to go backwards to go almost go slightly backwards to go forwards. I mean, at the time of writing, over the last. 48 hours i believe they've lost their uk tv deal um which is another nail somewhat in the coffin i would say arenas in this country and now i don't know if they'd even sell 1500 tickets not not yeah most british wrestling fans would be just like well we'll just go to progress instead yeah i mean yeah you're right it's that there are better there are better quality I'd have to say in terms of like, you know, wrestling content maybe or like better known storylines, especially now, as I say, that TV deal, that UK TV deal is significant in terms of the fact it's gone now. That is significant. Mark my words, that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Ring of Honor. They've just um, crowned a new world champion. They've gone with Dalton Castle. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've um, they're they're plodding along okay. I mean, they've sort of had a bit of the impact like over the past few years. Their stars have gone like to other companies and like fat like plied their trade and found their success. But they that because they've never overreached themselves, they're sort of you know quietly chugging along. Um, they're owned by the one of the the Sinclair power. Broadcasting Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They will a, not go bankrupt unless Sinclair drops them. It, yeah, the, the 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 key thing is maybe Sinclair will just sell them to the WWE. I am very yeah. excited by the notion of the, the Ring of Honor creating a, a an on demand app that gives you access to their archives. Because to you know, if I could go back, there's a lot of good stuff the on there. 2002 to 2008 Ring of Honor. That's like that would be my equivalent of your dad. Going to the Liam Gallagher and the Noel Gallagher concerts and reliving his youth—that would be what those shows would be for me. And I would love to, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a podcast where we just went through Ring of Honor show one after the other and just looked at the significance of of what impact that's had on the on the wrestling culture in the in the fifteen. Because that influence, Ring of Honor doesn't have that influence anymore, but it's still yeah. It's still there, and that's what's great. It's a means for people like Christopher Daniels and and Jay Lethal and the Briscoe Brothers and it's Alex sort of Shelley, buddying up. Chris Saban. It gives it, them, it, it's sort of buddying there. up to uh, it's sort of buddying up to the person that's taken that mantle, New Japan. Like it, yeah. it's it's sort of like it's no longer the cool edgy alternative kid because a cooler edgy more alternative kids come into town but yeah. rather than like slag off his haircut or like mm. his you know um random fashion brands he, you know they're, they're just getting on they're just they're just getting on sharing they're, they're, they're being tips run and competently which is more than can be said for other companies that we have talked about um what else is there to say um just simple fact um Vincent Mann is a billionaire again and it yeah. seems like he's going to make a football league because that worked out well, so well last time. 
What I will say... You've turned me on to this a little bit. Yeah. I was a little bit in the dark, but mm. um, you've the information you've given me, Lorcan, is that Vince McMahon has trademarked... I knew he had made an entertainment, a separate entertainment arm. I knew he had like, made that listed... Which is yeah. such a Vince McMahon name for a company. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but you tell me he's like trademarked a UFL... Um, UFL, UCFL, I think as well, and uh, a couple of other phrases like it's all about football or, or what have you. He wants to do another crack at an American Football League. Here's what I'll say. He's obviously going oh. to indulge himself again, like he did with the World Bodybuilding Federation, like he did with the XFL, like he did with WWF New York, like he's done all these times. He will fail, I think. That's not to say... I don't know much about American football. Out of all the American sports, that's the one I'm least interested in. I'm much more, you know, if I was to watch anything, I'll watch baseball or basketball or even ice hockey before I watch uh, an American football match. But I get that it's popular. I get that the NFL is not having a good time right now. So I can get why Mm. Vincent Mann thinks in his mind that he can do it. What I will say is, there's no reason that there can't be a second tier of American football that can almost help the NFL like the XFL did by giving them innovative TV shows, uh, by do it, filming it differently, by giving young college ones that didn't quite make the cut another chance to the point that you will get. Maybe Vincent Mann will hire a player or two that end up playing in a Super Bowl here or there. See, you've sort of just... You've, you've used the word there, which sort of... Uh sort of but, makes that argument fall down because there is already a second tier of american football it is called NFL Europe? no college football college football yeah, me but as, as long as there is college football the xfl the ufl will not be successful there are already there's already two leagues that people will gladly follow and sit in front of no one has time for a third not in a country where you have basketball baseball hockey the american sports fan will not be able to spread themselves that thin pure and simple uh there's a core group of i think if he got look if he makes an equivalent of the championship and he goes to the second biggest cities of america and he puts you know he puts in the the equivalent of triple a because there's triple a baseball yeah so why can't there be triple a football there already is, because like, AAA baseball is not... the feeder system for the MLB. Like, college football is the feeder system for the NFL. Yeah, but, it's diff- but you know that's different, Simon, because that's tied into the college culture and they are student-athletes. I mean, I'm talking about... Because, like, only 5% of those college footballers end up going to the NFL. So It's less than that, something... I think. Yeah, okay, even less than that. So there must be something that those 95% of college footballers could still do. I'm not looking no, at yeah. the same. They're, they're, if there is a triple-A baseball, there can be a triple-A football. But Vince McMahon would not be satisfied with making a triple-A football. Vince McMahon would no. want to beat the NFL, which is what he said the XFL does, which was so fucking stupid. And he's going to do it again. But does Vince McMahon think that the problem was, last time I didn't give the XFL my full undivided attention, the WWE is set up in a way that Triple H and Stephanie and all these other people can run this without me being on board all the time. Could this be the beginning of Vincent Mann with his own company from his own money either looking to hand some of that over to Triple H or, in this era of acquisitions, 
Disney now, basic Disney and Fox coming together. They're going to change the way that we enjoy TV and film. That is going to change everything. In this era of asset purchasing, is Vince McMahon looking for the exit? I don't think he'd ever sell it. No, not not to another company. I think he would for the right price. If the UFC oh. sold for four, if 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 you went to the WWE with four billion, which was how much that the UFC was sold for, I'm not saying the WWE is worth that, but maybe someone would be mad enough to think it is. I think Vince would sell for four billion. I really do. I think Vince. I don't know the price, and the WWE drew. Look, it's a time of acquisitions. And it's a time yeah. of getting as many brands under your umbrella as possible. I don't think Disney will buy the WWE. That's the one they always go with. I don't think it'll be Disney. I think if anyone's going to buy him, it will be Universal. Because the WWE's had a long-standing relationship with Universal and NBC. Why wouldn't they mm. want to make WWE superstars attractions at Universal Studios? Wouldn't that throw up a lot of host of problems, though? Like, it if would. they became Universal employees, would they not get that final... those healthcare benefits that they've oh, long been, long, like, trying to fight? Oh, last. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I, against no, that at all. I'm I, get, I get your point. From a business standpoint, all of what you said makes sense. I just think Vince is too in love with WWE to let it go. Um, ultimately, like, whether... You know, it, I think, yes, he, he would have a price, but... I don't think he'd be the one to make the call. I don't think he's majority shareholder, don't he is, forget. He is still, he is still majority shareholder. Yeah. The McMahon family own the WWE. Like, overall, they own about 60-something percent of the company. As a family. As a family. I mean, if if Look, that kind Rupert of money's Murdoch, put on the table, that can cause a divide. Rupert Murdoch just sold up. You know? If Murdoch can sell, uh, McMahon can sell. Yeah, but Murdoch, I think, knew where the exit was. <laughs> like, because I, I think Murdoch's move is... I think Murdoch's move is more because he's seen how media itself is changing. Mm. Whereas WWE is a content provider, not a media uh, conglomerate. So it's a little bit different. Okay, so let's... I think that's enough for now. Let's talk about what do we want to do first, Simon. Do that wasn't that the... wasn't the Financial Times, guys. Just just to clarify, no, no. <laughs> that, that this we is still are a not part. experts. It may shock no. you, even though we feel like we can talk about this for ninety minutes. We are not experts, but Simon, let's talk as if we are experts as to either what we think of the definitive moments of twenty seventeen or what we think will happen in twenty eighteen. Shall we go with moments for seventeen, then predictions for eighteen? Yes, we should. That is the logical okay. way. Okay. Who's uh, going first for moments? How about I go first for moments, then you go first for predictions. How does that sound? Like it, like it. Let's do it. Okay. My Mount Rushmore 2017 moments are... Meltzer goes six stars on the Okada Omega match, and that leads to a year of matches where Meltzer himself has said there are matches that won't make the top ten of this year that would have been the best match of previous years. This yeah. was a year of in-ring amazing stuff in Japan particularly, but also in America and the UK. Just so many great matches, and I'm sure Mexico as well, but I wouldn't know that much about Mexico. Um, and I just think that maybe Meltzer is even more influential now than he ever has been through these things. The fact yeah. that him saying six stars made, like Austin talked about it, Edge and Christian talk about it, every podcast has to talk about the fact that Dave Meltzer said this is six stars and might be the greatest match of all time. 
and and don't forget the young bucks do have the melts of driver of course yes everyone's favorite um the next one i'm going for is braun Strowman yelling i'm not through with you to roman reigns finished uh, finished the whole, sorry the whole the, part of me. the whole i'm not finished with you that whole angle was really if anything was the moment that just sold everyone on braun Strowman. it seemed like that was the one that did it um, and that okay. was after he'd lost to Roman Reigns before. So, again, he was able to rebuild himself. I love that angle. I mean, it got so many hits on YouTube and everything. Of course, with the Hardys' return was probably the only other one. We didn't get to talk about that much yet. But Woken Matt Hardy, that'll be one for 2018. <laughs> Stop um, reading off my sheet. I'm going to go with Jinder Mahal being racist towards Shinsuke Nakamura to the point that the crowd starts chanting, That's too far. I think that mm. we've some... sort of, we've sort of treaded that all over yeah. already, but yeah, but um, I don't think we emphasised. Like, it wasn't them booing him because it was a heel. It was like, no, we don't want this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's for those who haven't seen it. it it's you need to like uh, I can't remember the exact episode it is on, but if you just like put in the right search terms on YouTube, you'll find it. It's it's amazing how quickly a crowd goes from oh this isn't that good uh, from a storyline point of view of oh oh this is uncomfortable I and I feel a bit dirty for it's actually like, being associated it, with this. It wasn't even good heat. It was kind of like someone drunk on a bus heat and everyone's sort of looking at their feet and don't want it. Don't really want it to. Yeah, I wouldn't. That, yeah, anymore. I wouldn't even dignify it by saying it was heat. It was yeah. just awkwardness. And my final one, which I think is the sign of how much the things have changed from where we started to where we are, and what's going to be happening on January 4th next year, Chris Jericho coming to New Japan and challenging Kenny Omega to a title, to a match at Wrestle Kingdom in the co-main event now, much to Naito's disputes. But the fact that Chris Jericho has actually gone outside of the WWE to have a match with Kenny Omega. If, if, look, if Omega Okada hadn't got six stars last year... That wouldn't be happening this year. That's what I would say. Yeah. Omega is very much like the linchpin of that organization in, in some to sense. To the Western audiences. To the Eastern audiences. But the Western audience is the one they need. Well, yeah. not, well, no, it's not going to be Westerners that will be going 30, 40,000 of them in the Tokyo Dome. No, but it is going to be Westerners who will be new eyes on their product and therefore yes. get new subscriptions well, to I'm New sure Japan. Getting, I'm sure they're getting returns by the fans. merch. I'm sure they're getting returning fans in Japan as well. That is their bread and butter. So, True. Or whatever True. it is. Japan is want... their bread and butter. But... Do they have Ex- bread and butter specifically in Japan, or is it something else that they have? I'm, I'm going to avoid this for like I don't want to become a gender and say like something I regret. I don't know. I'm not going to say it's like egg-flied lice or something. I don't know what their bread and butter is. You know, I'm sure they have bread and butter. I just don't know if that's as key to their diet as yeah. the others are. I think your mic's been unplugged, so you sound different. Give me one sec. Cheers. Okay, so those were my four for Mount Rushmore. So just to go over them again, it was Meltzer going six stars on Okada Omega. Uh, Braun Strowman saying, I'm not finished with you to Roman Reigns. Jinder Mahal going too far with Shinsuke Nakamura. And Chris Jericho coming to New Japan to challenge Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yeah, um, I will say, just to like go like emphasise my point a little bit, that um, I do think New Japan's expansion lies to the West. 
Um, but no, I think that's a, that's a strong pick. So strong, in fact, we actually match on fifty percent of those. Uh, I, well, we need you. To, you need to have at least one different one than Simon, because we only have one definitive one. Well, I'm going to read my list first of all, okay. and we'll work from there. Okay, so my list. I have um, Pete Don versus Tyler Bay at NXT Chicago. Uh, just that reaction from not only just two foreigners, but two foreigners fighting for a belt that hadn't really been that publicized um, in the US, had only mm. been like defended in the UK on a niche, like sort of one off, of, even niche in NXT, like a niche little yeah, one off yeah. event, and just absolutely tearing the house down. Given the added boost of having JR on commentary, mm, which mm. That, that was like, you know, such a great, like, lo- lovely little, like, icing just, on the cake. Yes, again. A brummy and a yam yam. Yeah, I'm just I'm just so proud. It's just like, <laughs> and it's just like the perfect with, showcase of British wrestling, and it just with shows a combined age of forty three or yeah. something like that. It just shows oh. like that that kind the of British wrestling. It's it's no longer just something that you know people watch like grainy videos of. Like it's no longer like um, the wrestlers wrestling. It's everyone's wrestling, and it's it's here to like it it's got its permanent mark on like the main culture landscape at least for the time being okay um as a british person that just excites me Mm -hmm. um i've gone for the new japan shows in los angeles okay uh as i say i'm sort of alluding to the point i made just a couple of moments ago the westward expansion not Mm -hmm. their east i suppose if depending on which way yeah which way they fly um Mm. But it's just signs that New Japan are ready to step outside their comfort zone, ready to take things to the next level. uh, Obviously, they're not going to knock the king, that is WWE, off its throne just yet. But maybe maybe in a few years' time, through their expansion, they'll get himself in a position to take a a bit of a punt. Just, you know, get themselves out there a bit more as an alternative. Who knows? But, you know, they're they're being brave enough to try it. Um, Their bravery bolstered by the fact, as I say... Their westernized element of their roster has opened their product to new new eyeballs, and they've just ran with it, and it's beautiful. Um, to seamlessly segue from one point to the next, the first of our matching points is Jericho versus Omega. Quite simply, you are right. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened 12 months ago. Um, Omega just getting himself out there as possibly one of the best wrestlers on this planet uh, by with the six and the six and a quarter star matches. Uh, and that's not to discount Okada by any stretch of the imagination. The man is a wonderful worker and a great sale, a seller. Like, Oh, it, it's, it's beautiful. Um, but, and Chris Jericho as well, just having the bravery to um, let his contract expire. And he's like, you know what? I'm, I, f- I fancy myself to have a crack at this. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else and just, just do this, just purely so I can like hang with uh, my fellow Canadian in Japan and put on like a match. And maybe, maybe he sees a lot of himself in Kenny Omega, and that's mm-hmm. why he's going over there. Um, maybe it's the connection uh, that Don Callis has to him and Kenny. Who knows? But he's he's taking a punt, Jericho, and not just in this with um, the rock and wrestling cruise that he's organising. Chris Jericho is nothing but if not ballsy with like his his ventures, like. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's. I'm sure even The Rock, with his level of success with his outside ventures, admires Chris Jericho's pure tenacity and Absolutely. drive. Absolutely, it, like it's just something that they. Um, I don't want to sound like Vince, but something the Attitude Era guys have. They just go and go and mm. go when they want something. It's it's mm. a sight to behold. Um, 
and the second share point, purely because I think it's the most attitude eerie thing um, that we've sort of had this year. And it's sort of heralded like this, this brief smattering of attitude era esque angles in the WWE and attitude era esque style matches. It was really weird, sort of like the tail half of the year. Like Vince just sort of went in a time machine, I think, with some of his booking. And it got a great reaction. It worked. And like it just goes to show that reality is all well and good. But sort of to go again back to one of our earlier points, sometimes zaniness in the WWE is, is a great thing. And it's what they do so damn well sometimes. Yeah. It's the Braun Strowman ambulance angle that yeah. I'm not finished with you. <laughs> It lasted for 20 to 25 minutes. I'm sure it did. I haven't got an exact time frame, but... It was wrestling's equivalent of Sideshow Bob with the rakes. Yeah, or it Homer falling down going... the cliff. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to have to knock one of mine off so we have a definitive one. And I'm going to be... I want. I, I, I think because of how we started the podcast and how we're ending, ne- ending it going to next year, I think it has to be Omega and, and Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Uh, even though that is obviously mm. something that will take place in 2018, the fact that it became a reality in 2017, after all the work that Chris Jericho had done at the start of the year with the list of Jericho and his work with Kevin Owens, we haven't really had a chance to the talk festival about of Kevin friendship. Owens and Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn's heel turn, which I think is another contender. Um, another contender was um, War Games for me. We didn't really get time to talk about that. I think that's another no. sign that maybe Vincent Mann is starting to hand over the reins of control more to Triple H because that was always something that Triple H wanted. But anyway, let us get to the 2018 predictions, Simon. What do you... Ha- so just to reiterate, I am dropping... Uh, my, I'm dropping I'm Not Finished With You and giving that to you. And in its place, I am putting... Um, Oh yeah, this will be what I'll put in its place. It will be the split at what culture? Because I think that's a very significant moment in the online wrestling world. Uh, mm. And also, maybe the most, uh, the biggest example of other aspects of 2017 news <laughs> co- coming into the wrestling world. You know, it wasn't Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. But it was a lesser degree of that. But we're going to, uh, after the next episode, the episode after next, we're going to be talking about what culture wrestling and its impacts on online wrestling culture in general. So we'll save that for another we'll time. We'll dissect that in great detail. Yeah. So Simon, let me hear your four 2018 predictions that I'm going to hold to you when we record this in late December of 2018, as long as Kim Jong-un hasn't dropped any bombs on us after what Donald Trump did. So I have I I had five written down okay. at the start of the show. I really mm-hmm. struggled, um, but it, it logically now I know which one to drop basically okay. um, because I sort of have semi mentioned it in my, in uh, the twenty seventeen thing. So this is my honourable mention. Um, it's just to re- reinforce a point. I, I do think New Japan will continue to expand in the US. Obviously, they've okay. got their shows in March, um, but I do think they will play like another US city or two and like mm-hmm. a different arena. And will a Chris slow. Be on them? Who knows? Uh, I'd like to think he's not going to do a one shot, but he's got. I definitely think they're he's... setting up with him and Naito. He's got a Fozzy tour. 
mm. around WrestleMania season. But there's nothing to stop him like just dropping in for a date around WrestleMania weekend. If, would... if New Japan do New Orleans WrestleMania weekend, for example, I don't think I that'll wouldn't... happen. But... No, no, they would have announced it by now. I wouldn't be shocked if he spent 2018 flipping backwards and forwards between WWE and New Japan. I genuinely wouldn't put that past him. Because Jericho knows what he's yeah. going to do. But that's not one of my predictions, so let's just go on. So you're predicting New Japan to expand... That was my honourable mention. US. Oh, that was... Yeah, yeah. my honourable mention is for New Japan to expand further to the US. My predictions. Um, prediction number one. WWE to enforce... Um, not enforce. Introduce women's tag team title championships. Um, they are growing the roster exponentially in, in, in the female side of things. That was a horrible what sentence, if, but you guys know of- what I mean. What if instead of a women's tag team championships, what if they introduced a mixed tag team championship? Uh, well, they, they are, are doing, doing that tournament on Facebook, aren't they? Yeah, it could that well be. be that's like could be a great way to bring Johnny Gargano into the main roster with uh, a yeah. Candice LeRae. But anyway, so you're predicting women's tag team titles on I... both brands, or will that be cross brand? No, the the brand split is too set in stone at the moment. Okay. They will each will have their own. It's probably not going to work um, on one brand in particular. Uh, SmackDown, I, don't, I just think that you're just crowbarring another belt into a two-hour show. You, okay. You know, and hide into nothing. Um, but then Raw has the Cruiserweights. So, you know, they've got an extra belt already. So, okay. uh, I think they'll try it. That's what I'm so saying. So, women, a women's tag team title. Yes. Next, next prediction. Uh, NXT to go to two hours. Okay. It's on television. It's just joined the USA Network. Um... The star power isn't there as it once was, but I do think them being on uh, the USA Network will mean they want the extra advertising money. Uh, if USA ask for a second hour, WWE will definitely give it to them. They will not resist on that point. Mm. And I think Vince is ballsy enough to do it. And it's more content for the network, ultimately. Right. Uh, your third prediction? Uh, in-ring return of Daniel Bryan. Um, okay. In WWE? In WWE, I'm going for it. Okay, balls right. to the wall. I'm going balls to the wall. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to say exclusively WWE because who knows what, what, what you know? Um, who knows what will happen? But I do think the in-ring return will be in WWE. And, and your could, final prediction? Oh, sorry. I, it could even be like in the first half of the year. There are rumours he is being re-evaluated by medical staff. Um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, if I guess if, they're going the by the policy I, of um, better to have him on the inside pissing out than on the outside pissing in. Exactly, and the way I see it, if Kurt can pass a physical, yeah, and that yeah, man's very much done so. horrible, yeah, that man doesn't. Like, I really don't. Feel, I don't. I don't want to see him wrestle again after those two performances. I just don't. Survivor want Series to. was so uncomfortable. It yeah. was just really yeah. uncomfortable. It, it was very well masked in um, the three on five. Yeah, uh, TLC match, like a twenty-minute one-on-one match with Triple H, which is obviously what they're looking for. I don't. I don't want that. I that was the dream flat scenario. But yeah, I want no, to do it like Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, have him just catch Triple H in an ankle lock and uh, tap him out. That's what they should do. They won't, but that would no, be interesting. No, they won't, but that's what they should do. Um, and the final prediction. Final prediction. Big punt. Big big punt. Matthew Hardy, or the vessel mm. that is Matthew Hardy, I should say, to hold. Either I'm giving myself a little bit of wriggle room. I think you'll you'll forgive me for this uh, to hold either the WWE or the Universal title by the end of 2018. That is my a prediction. risky punt because he was kind of being 
they were very much being treated like the Dudley Boys, kind of the hot return with all the hits on YouTube, and then there to just basically make the younger talent look good. But now they've got the Woken Matt Hardy character. It'll be very interesting to see where it goes. If like, it's given the freedom to breathe, that will would be amazing. Will give it the freedom to breathe? That's the $64,000 question. That is. Okay, here are my predictions. I'm going to try and rattle through them quickly because we want to finish this before two hours. Drew McIntyre will main event a WWE pay-per-view for either the Universal or the WWE Championship. I think more likely the WWE Championship, my guess is it'll go to SmackDown. I do feel like you're, like the, you're, pick, you're picking at Matt Hardy a little bit. Mind you, I've said hold one, so I guess you've given yourself a bit more freedom. But uh, well, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Kenny Omega will win the IWGP Heavyweight title. I said it for 2017. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna back it again for 2018. I think he'll beat Naito for it sometime around June before the G1. It's a safer bet than it was a year ago, and it was a pretty safe bet a year ago. I'm uh, last time I had WWE will sign Adam Cole. I'm gonna go more risky here. I'm gonna go for three signings. So this will be a third each. This is this is a one prediction three yes, signings. This is yeah. one prediction for three signings. WWE will sign Ricochet. Okay. War Machine, the tag team. And this is the more risky one, Matt Riddle. That's my. I think first. you're going to get a third. Mm. And here's my big punt. Last year I went for the John Cena will turn heel. I'll go for the even more obvious, the even more bigger big punt that everyone always goes for. CM Punk will wrestle again. It won't be for the WWE, but he will wrestle again. Who will it be for, then? This isn't part of your prediction. Either New Japan, or if that Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes thing happens in Chicago, it'll be CM Punk. Okay. Okay. So those are my four predictions. Drew McIntyre will main event a pay-per-view wrestling for either the Universal or the WWE title. My guess the WWE title. I think you'll go to SmackDown. Kenny Omega will win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The WWE will sign Ricochet, War Machine, and Matt Riddle. And CM Punk will wrestle in Chicago. My honourable mention was they will do war games in the in the in a WWE pay-per-view. Because, okay, okay. But I'm not going to go with that. But that would have been my honourable mention. Just for the future reference, should we count the honourable mentions as a half point as we didn't yeah, really yeah, back them all the way? That could be like a tiebreaker okay. if we get... Um, okay, so that has been the return of Let Me Tell You Something. Simon... If people want to get in touch with you, happy as Larry that you've come back into their audio lives, how can they do so? Uh, they can do so by getting in contact with me on Facebook. You know, just type my name in. Eventually you'll find me. There are enough of us, but you'll sift through. Um, they can also find me on Twitter, where I am Simon Cross Free. So known because um, I am much like Neapolitan ice cream. Um, I have a vanilla side. I have a strawberry side. And I have a warm chocolatey centre. Oh, is there um, chocolate in the centre of the Neapolitan? There isn't, but I'm working. I always thought that the ice, the, the vanilla was in the middle. No, I think strawberries in the middle. I don't know. Sure. I think it's interchangeable. Sure. Mm. Anyway, uh, yeah, okay. So that was Simon. Now my name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A for Apple N for Norman. That is my Twitter handle. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of that, that's my email address. If you want to see 
me live bringing back where it all began for us in our discussions of pro wrestling after you saw the very first rehearsed version of this it's coming back in live form Confessions of a smart wrestling fan is going to be on at the the comedy show but now with an added interactive quiz element five pounds to get in very cheap tickets but you might come out with a 30 pound prize money so you'll end up in profit both through laughs and in your wallet if you come to my show and you answer the right questions this could be a pilot okay. to something that really becomes a... I, I would love to take this elsewhere. But right now it will be at the Bill Murray Pub in London as part of the Angel Comedy Group. If you just look up the Bill Murray on on Google, you'll see it there. January 29th. What, Campbell the Bill Murray? Tickets. Yeah, that's what the pub's called, the Bill Murray. <laughs> All right, okay. So not the Caddyshack style. You're not doing it no. inside the star no, of Caddyshack. No, I'm not doing it inside of Bill Murray. I mean, I called him on that hotline thing, but he hasn't responded so far. Um, so just to so, clarify listeners that's the bill murray pub yeah the bill murray i'll just get the address up right now comedy at the bill murray if you go to angelcomedy.co.uk slash bill dash murray that's where you'll see it it's on 39 queenshead street london n18 nq if i can see where the nearest tube stop is is Essex Road, or maybe that's a train station. No, the nearest tube stop is the Angel. So there you mm, are, people. Thanks. If you want to see the face behind the voice, then please come along and see my comedy show and might even be able to get his hands on a physical copy of the book Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. But if you can't wait that long, then get an ebook or get an Kindle app on your phone and go to Amazon.co.uk and look for Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, the book. So, who knows, Sai, if we if we have a goal for maybe by the end of this year, it might be to even do a one, at least one live version of this show. So you may even be able to interact with us and literally yell at us when we announce our Mount Rushmore's and tell us why we're so stupid. <laughs> but until then, tune in. Well, not tune in, but in this time, the day that this episode is uploaded, two weeks from that day, I promise you, we will have the next episode of Let Me Tell You Something, where we will be discussing the Royal Rumble match. Not the Royal Rumble event, that 30 man, maybe in the future 30 women, over the top rope, battle royal. The Like I said, I'll say in the episode, and, and so this is my stance... When it's done at its best, it's the best that North American version of professional wrestling can be. That will be my starting point, and I will look forward to Simon's rebuttal to that. But until then, my name is Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell, Grapple fans. Treachery, a moment of deceit, a moment of heartbreak, a moment of victory, a moment of triumph. All of these things can be seen at the biggest extravaganza in the history of professional wrestling. Lethal Leap Year. You can watch it on select closed circuit boxes. And please check with your local cable provider. Uh, I'm just being handed a piece of news right now. Hold one second. There is no f- leap year. 
We have been running television all year for lethal leap year. And nobody, nobody in the office, nobody pushing pencils looked at a calendar to figure out that there is no leap year. My God, man, we're going to be ruined.